0: you haven't gathered, I'm going to talk about freedom. Because in my own experience, uh, freedom is a thing that everyone's looking for. And people will pay large sums of money to try and find freedom. They'll go to crazy lengths to try and find freedom. They'll do incredible things. They'll travel the world. They'll... They'll destroy their own lives trying to find this thing that the Bible talks about that can only be found in the person called Jesus Christ. I was looking for freedom for a lot of years. Found it 13 years ago. But we're consumed and people are consumed and we see movies about freedom and there's something in us that just pursues it because we've been hardwired to find him To receive it. Those are non-Christians. But as Christians, we can hear about it, we can read about it. But in my experience, most Christians that I run into actually only really know the freedom of God conceptually. It's in their head, it's in their thinking, but it hasn't really made its way nine inches to the heart. Where the revelation of the freedom that he paid for is actually motivating and, and um, you know, consuming you to live a kind of lifestyle that the Bible talks about. Where the freedom that he, when he said those words, it is finished. It impacts you so much that you see and you go, my goodness, how I'm consumed, how, how can I not? And that it transforms you. It's not just information that you've read about, but it's transformation. It reforms the person. It's forming us. And so my heart tonight is that we would all receive, after tonight, now as I'm speaking, after every second I speak, a greater revelation, a greater understanding of the freedom that was bought at the cross. What was actually bought and paid for, for you and me at that cross. Because if we can capture that, we will look completely different over a process of time. and The enormity of what Christ paid for on that cross is for us, that we would. That's the beauty, that's the promise, that's this incredible love that, that he offers every single person, whether you know him or not. It's for all people. Whether you're black, white, pink, purple, no matter if you're, what culture you're from, It doesn't matter what lifestyle, maybe what you've done in the past, what you're doing tonight, what you did five minutes ago. It doesn't matter. His love is so consuming what he did on the cross, paid for past, present and future stuff. And will always. Isn't it amazing? His love. It's so extravagant, it's so unfathomable, it's indescribable. And we see time and time again throughout the stories, throughout the illustrations of Jesus' own life, how he would just be consumed with people. And his heart would break and he'd have this compassion and he'd see people and he'd just weep. Literally weep. When Lazarus died, he weeped because of this extreme love. He would look at people that the world would look at and shun, and he would hang out with them. That the religious church at the time actually were disgusted by he was in their living room. Why? Because of the love that he was consumed with, the freedom that he came to bring, that he had to offer. And you will only ever find that freedom in him And so if you are with us here tonight and you do not know Jesus, you may know about Him, but you do not know Him. You will not find what you're looking for in any other person than the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, God. And that is truth. And I say that from experience. Because I looked in many places trying to find freedom, only to be found dead-end roads, and brokenness. And so I'm passionate about freedom and us capturing this thing because if you can capture it through revelation as I said you'll be consumed with him. You'll fall in love with him. You'll step out of the boat time and time again for him and your life will not look the same. How many people here just want to consume air? Anybody? Anyone who to just suck up oxygen and that's it. And just tick down the hours until you die. I don't. God doesn't want anyone living like that. God wants us living on fire for Him. With such a passion to see His kingdom come. And for others, for us to experience first and foremost, because He came for you. Before He came for anyone else, He came for you. And from that revelation... He then came for others and would say, would you put yourself on out there that others would experience what you have? But you can't give what you don't have. You can't can't release what you don't know. You can only give what you have with the measure that you have. Use it, God would say. And so come with me to Galatians 5 verses 1. And uh, we're going to spend most of the night here. And then we're going to rip this scripture apart. Just prepare your hearts now to receive. Say, God, I want to receive a greater measure tonight. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm expecting you to move. The Bible says, how much more will God give those who love Him? Who have a Father in heaven. Not just bread and fish. Nothing wrong with bread and fish prayers. But kingdom prayers. Kingdom thoughts. Kingdom dreams. Amen? Alright. Here we go. 5 verse 1. It was for freedom. Everyone say freedom. Freedom. Alright. That Christ set us free. The whole point he came was for freedom. To be free. I don't know about you guys. I know a lot of people that aren't free. They're bound up, chained up with insecurity and, and a whole lot of stuff. Worry and stress. Because... Things shift and as we know about in Christ, things shift and people are losing their livelihoods, people have lost their lives. All around the world, the world is shaking. But it says here Christ came that we would be free of all those things. What a promise. What an inheritance that you can actually walk around with all this chaos and go, I'm free. I've got a peace and a joy on the inside of me that's bigger than all that. Isn't that awesome? That's what he came, to for freedom. I've come to set you free from the worries of this life. Everything that's consumed by this stuff. If you focus on me, I'll actually add those things to your life. But focus on me. And you'll walk through this thing called life. And you'll walk through with peace and joy. And you'll actually be a witness to others. To a world that's in chaos and bound up. He said that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, you stop, because there's something big coming. Okay? Whenever the Bible says therefore, go, ooh, what? Therefore, keep standing firm. Say, I'm going to stand firm. Keep standing firm. It's obviously an action. It's for freedom that he came, but you've got to keep standing firm. You've got to revisit this thing consistently and keep standing there firm, built on the rock. Amen? Amen? Keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. He's saying, guys, in the Galatian church, come on. Why do you think I came? I came to set you free. And you keep going back and spending time in stuff that is that has a yoke on you of slavery. Do we know what a yoke is? A yoke is used as an instrument to, on cattle, To keep it in alignment. And he's saying, stop going back and being yoked again to slavery. I've come to set you free. And the stuff that we keep going back to. The Bible says a dog keeps going back to its vomit because it's all it knows. And we keep going back to our stuff. And he's going, come on. I died that you would be free from that once and for all. It was done on the cross. It was finished. Leave it there and walk that way. That's phenomenal freedom. But what do we do? No, I'm just, here I am again. And we beat ourselves up. And he's going, "Wow, oh, man, come on, get this. I died for that. Go forward. And continue to move forward. I love this passage. There is so much in it. Be something. Do not be. Do not be. It's a commandment. Do not be, guys, do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Galatians 4, 1-7 is a fantastic passage about receiving inheritance and a slave that's actually being yoked, although he has this incredible inheritance. Go and read it, study it, meditate on it and see what God says to you. But I'm going to break these words down. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. If you're quick enough, go to John 8. It's a pretty standard passage that we, we, uh, we, we talk about a lot. But um, I want us to capture something because I've never heard anyone actually preach verse 31. We preach 32 all the time. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We heard that. Heard that in, in, in communities and services. How many people have actually looked at verse 31? This is what 31 says. Well, I'm going to tell you. I love this. In my in my headings it says the truth will make you free. That's cool, isn't it? It'll make you free. It says this, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, now listen, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Do you know you can be a Christian but not be a disciple of Christ? Do you know you can believe and be a Christian and not follow Christ? And we've been looking at this over the last four weeks. He's saying, if you continue in my word, my truth, in me, because I am the word, then you truly are my disciples of mine. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. You've got to stay with them. You've got to stay in this incredible life source. You've got to know it. You've got to study it. You've got to meditate on it if you want to be free. It's not just you know going to come to you like, ah, oh, well. It's about transformation, reformation, formation of us on the inside, out of us. How do we do that? Through his living word. And he's saying, if you want to be free, guess what? You've got to continue in my word. You've got to live in it. You've got to eat it. Because man cannot live on bread alone. But every word out of it, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then you'll find freedom. And I shared this last week. And it's a promise. It's not a good idea. It's not just, well, give it a go and see what happens. If you do this, this will happen. That's awesome, isn't it? How many people want more freedom in your life? How many people are living in his word? It's the answer. It's not just a book. It's living food. And I don't know about you guys, but when I don't eat, I get grumpy. I think I die. I'm going to India on Thursday and I'm contemplating not eating for two weeks. <laughs> so I seriously don't lose some serious weight. Sit <laughs> my whole life on the toilet. But we've got to eat if you want to be free. You've got to be consumed by his word if you want to be free. And that's a challenge, isn't it? That means we've got to maybe discipline ourselves, we've got to spend the time, we've got to fall in love. The freedom, this freedom is to mould and shape our identity, our authority, our purpose, every part of our life as a follower. And it is available to all people. Every single one, it is available to no one misses out in the sense of no one is you know no one is set up oh you're not good enough. There is no qualification. The qualification is love and just say, I'm here and I'm available and I want this. See it's one thing to know Jesus as a savior and to be set free from a place called hell or an eternal destination away from him. It's one thing to make a commitment in a moment in time And say, yeah, I don't want to go there. I believe in what you did. I'm in. It's another thing to make him Lord of your life and actually find the freedom in those areas that I mentioned before, which are worry, insecurity, depression, unforgiveness, addictions, pride, anger, hurt, lust, idols. And to experience the release of these things today, now. That's what it's for. It's not just that we would... Have our eternity sorted. It's that we would live a life and a life of abundance here on earth because we're allowing this word to consume us and those things would leave us because the greater he in us than we, transformation, wholeness. He came to complete the whole person, spirit, soul, or mind, sorry, spirit, soul and body. Complete restoration. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? To bring this incredible great news and to bring recovery of sight for the blind and those who are in prison physically and not in prison, but in prison. you know what I mean? Listen to what Tony Anthony said in his book, Taming the Tiger. After receiving Christ as my Lord and Saviour inside a Cypress prison and then being released, I realised I was more free inside prison than most people are in the world. Isn't that a scary concept? That you can be freer internally inside a room being con, you know, confined to a space than some people are, are out in the world with all this so-called freedom. Why? Because he met Christ, this man met Christ in a moment in time. And it started to change his reality and he's around the world now sharing this. But how many of us have seen that movie Braveheart? I just love the movie. In fact, I love Stephen the crazy Irishman. He uh, he had a free spirit. He'd say things like this. He's, you know, the Lord's told me this is going to be a mighty fight. He's invited the finest of people. <laughs> I won't tell you the other bit that I really like because there's a naughty word in it, but he's... Uh, he was free. He was a bit crazy, but he was free. And there's this amazing bit where Mel Gibson says these words. He says, you know, you can take our land, land, you can take our lives, but what you'll never take is our freedom. He goes on, he says this, what will you do with your freedom? And I believe God's asking us tonight, what are we doing with our freedom? What will you do with your freedom? He says to his Scottish countrymen. He says, yeah, you might die today. But isn't it worth it to, to live and to fight for something we're fighting for? What are you going to do when we defeat these English? And they did. What are we doing with our freedom that Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago when he said, it is finished? And the reason I asked you that question, and I want you to listen to this. Just focus here, if you're talking whatever, because this is important because you have an enemy. And he's trying to rob you of this incredible freedom that Jesus bought and paid for with his life. And unfortunately, to be honest, for many Christians, he's doing a good job of robbing us of our freedom. Why? Because we allow our current reality to determine our future. Instead of the words of God, it is Finished. We allow the current picture, our current circumstance, whatever we're going through, to determine the future that we embrace. We don't take the words of God in the time of trial and soak in that. What we do is we allow this picture to be be consumed by this picture. Worry kicks in, fear kicks in, and we never move. And we're paralyzed like the people of Christchurch in fear. Instead of walking in this authority and walking in this freedom, because you know what? That says no matter what, this is what I paid for. It is finished. And gaining the revelation of that, so the revelation of that becomes a reality in the midst of the chaos. It's phenomenal what he paid for. And I'm hoping tonight as we dive into this a bit more, you're going to capture it. Because we see in the Gospels, don't we, the disciples... They put their hope on this man called Jesus. And then they are looking at a dead guy on a cross. Some people still look at a dead guy on a cross. He got off the cross. But here they are. They're looking at this dead guy on the cross. Their hope and their faith in the answer has just been flushed down the toilet. It's gone. Three years they spent time with him. And they're focusing on their reality and not on the words that he said. He said, in three days' time, I'm coming back. He said, in three days, this temple, it'll be rebuilt. He said, go there because I'm coming and you're going to see me. But what are they doing? Are they focusing on those words? The words of God, the truth? No. They're focusing on their reality there today. And it doesn't look that good. You see, they were expecting the Messiah to come on a crazy horse... A king who is going to demolish the Roman Empire and take back governmental rule. This is how you know that Jesus is really into country because his men are coming on horses when they come back. He really is a country music fan. And the only anointed music is country rock. It's biblical. It says he's coming on his horse. Country guys ride horses, yeah. That's right, mate. We're going, we'll going. we be the first ones out there. But see, not only that, that they have to deal with, because they got to know him, didn't they? He understood he was the cross. But the second thing is, that the Jewish people, anyone that was killed on a tree, was cursed. So not only did the Messiah not fit, Jesus not fit their picture of who he was supposed to be. He came as a servant. Now they look at him, and he's dead on a, on a, on a cross, on a tree, and you're cursed. And they're so gutted and so paralysed. But what happened to this Jesus? What happened to this Lord that he, he raised Lazarus from the dead or he laid hands on people? Where's he gone? Their focus, their reality, their current picture was of a dead man and not of a man who said in thirty in three days sorry, or 72 hours, I'm going to rebuild this temple. You know what they should have been doing? They should have had a stopwatch out. If they had him back then, or looking at the sun. Guys, in 72 hours, he's coming back. (laughs) But what did Peter do? He went back to fishing. How can you one minute be laying hands on people, seeing demons come out, seeing people come to to know Jesus, and then you're back to fishing? He's devastated. He's discouraged. And he's gone back to his past. His future's that way. And he's consumed with his reality, his current picture, not the words of Christ. It is finished. And you want that freedom that he talked about. Believe it. It is finished. It's done. But this is where I love Jesus. And you've got to... God's love is so extravagant. There is nothing like it on planet Earth. You know, no human being can love you like God does. I don't know why I'm about to say this, but I'm going to say it. Ladies, there is no man that can love you, that you need to be loved the way you need to, apart from Jesus. And guys, there's no woman that will love you like Christ. You've got to find Him. He is the one that completes us, not a person. That's why we need to do these marriage courses, because you know what? So many people put their trust in people. You'll complete me. That stupid movie. Oh, you had me at hello. You complete me. I just like the black guy. Show me the money, Jerry. <laughs> I don't know where I am now, where am I at? <laughs> His love is extravagant. We must focus on the promise. It is finished and petition, which means to go after this reality and not on our current reality if we want to discover this incredible freedom that Jesus paid for. You got that? Let's move on. Therefore, keep standing. Say to someone, I'm going to keep standing. I'm standing, I'm going to keep standing. Say it again. I'm going to keep standing. Say it like you mean it. All right. Listen to what Revelation 12.11 says. So how do you keep standing firm? There are three keys to defeat this enemy. Now the Bible says that the enemy goes before the throne room day and night accusing us. Which is a scary concept because God allows him into that place. God actually has a purpose for the enemy. I'll leave that one. Here we go. 12.11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even when faced with death. That's powerful, isn't it? You don't love your life even when you're confronted with death. You love him more than your own life. You're prepared to go, I'm not renouncing my faith. I love him. I love what I'm going to more than my now. So the first thing, keep standing firm, is believing wholeheartedly in what the blood truly accomplished. If you've got to have single-minded faith, a double-minded person gets nothing, Susan says in James. Try and have a fiver each way in this Christian deal, doesn't work. It's called being lukewarm. It's called sitting on a fence. God's not into lukewarm. God would rather have you cold as a stone or hot and on fire. He says, I spit out the lukewarm. Why? Because if you're lukewarm, you can influence for his kingdom in such a negative way that non-Christians don't want to bar of them. So he says, be on fire. And it says here, be believing wholeheartedly in what the blood truly accomplishes. So I was just seeking God on this message and God clearly gave me this picture and I hope I can describe it to you. And you've probably all seen it. But what I saw was this massive vault. Like it was huge. It was about sort of, I don't know, two meters thick. And it had one well, of those massive wheels on the, you know, on the front of it. And basically I just saw this vault, vault and I saw the vault open. And it was really quite slow because of the size of this vault was just massive and open. And I just saw all this light beaming forth. And it was like God said, come in. And I walked in, as I walked into this light, the vault started to close behind me. It was like on some electronic system, you know, like it was so heavy. And then I saw a man on the other side, I'm standing in this incredible light. It's piercing. And on the other side, I saw a man start to seal with a gas torch the vault. And it's like the Holy Spirit just said, there is no way back. You know what's on the other side of the vault? Is your stuff, Greg. And you know what? You can't get back to it. What I did on the cross, it's behind you, and now you can't get to it. This is, the, this is the thinking that we've got to embrace. This is the revelation we have to capture. Because this is what he has done. It's behind, I can't get back to it. There's no way to it. Even if I knew the code, it's been sealed. With a gas torch. And then he said, walk forward into the light. And allow the light to fill you more and more and more. And as you allow that light to fill you, know what happens? The darkness comes out. And it's spirit led. It's not me trying to do it. And My focus is now on the light on him. Does that make sense? That's a picture for every single one of us tonight. You see, Jesus didn't just die for our iniquity and our sin. He died for the power of it. Think about that. He died for it, but for the power, the hold that it has over us. What does that mean? It means if he died for the power of sin, because the Bible talks a lot about, you know, don't go too close because if it, if it entangles you, you get sucked in. It's powerful stuff. Sin is powerful. It leads to death. It's attractive. The enemy knows that. But if Jesus died for the power of sin as well, that we would be free. One of the reasons we struggle so much to understand what the blood of Jesus has accomplished it's because in our humanness we connect grace and works together. But the Bible never does that. Let me read you Ephesians. And once again I pray if you can capture this. Ephesians 2. Just listen to these words. And so don't even go there actually. Just listen to the words of, as I read them over you. Two four, But God... Being rich in mercy. I mean, you could preach on that. He's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He loved us with such a passion. It kills him. It burns. Even when, now listen, even when we were dead in our transgressions, in the lives that we were doing before we ever even knew Him, when we were dead, He made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness Toward us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not, sorry, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that so that no one can boast. It doesn't say you were saved by grace and works; it says you were saved by grace. Go back to my vault analogy. You're saved by what I've done. It's not reflective of your actions, your works, whether they're good or bad. It's not about... One, two. We're back on. Are you getting this? Because what we do is we go, here I am again. Same stuff. How can he love me? And he's going... Because I saved you by grace, it wasn't dependent on your actions, son. My love, you don't understand in your humanness. Because we put conditions on everything. His love is unconditional, it's unfathomable. We are so limited in our love. We are conditional. Guys, you can't love, you can't love unconditional as a human. You might think you do, but you don't. It's the love in Him that you can love others unconditionally. You can't love a person unconditionally in your own humanness. We say we do. We say we're love. I told, told Danielle I love unconditionally. I can't I go I have all these conditions for it. You're supposed to be like this. You're supposed to act like that. You're supposed to be like this. Well, your personality rubs me up the wrong way and vice versa in that area. Does that sound unconditional? No, it's very conditional. But when I find God's love, this incredible love that he put in there, Then I'm free to love unconditionally. His love, and this once again is a revelation because we're so wide. If you do this, then if you live like this, here's the fruit. Here's the reward of this action. No, he says, you know what? My love is so extravagant, it covers that. In fact, if it was about work, and people do, you'll try and earn it. He's so counter foreign and cultural to us. And this robs us because once again, we're over here looking at whatever we're looking at again going, here I am again. And it's now the tenth time and it's only been two days. Now we are to repent of that. God forgive me. I'm here again. He goes, what for? For looking at that stuff. What stuff? The Bible says he forgets. And the stuff is buried in an ocean where you can't get to it. We want to go try and dig it up, don't we? But from his perspective, it's gone, it's buried. It's like clean slate again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Because it's not about works, it's about his grace. And he hopes, his hope is that, as you're there and that love is poured out, you actually start to get it. And you go... This love is so consuming, it's so unfathomable, I'm going to focus on you and now walk away from that stuff, and I'm consumed with love. And he goes, at last you've got it. But most, I know a lot of people, we sit and we, we just beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up. The enemy loves to beat you up, doesn't he? Loves to tell you you're a loser. Here you are again. How on earth could you step into that doors? I've had people say to me, I'm not allowed to come into a building like yours, am I? That's the place you need to be. I'm not saying God just sits here all day. but You know, we have this counter-mindset, don't we? We've got to run away. We need to run too. When Adam and Eve, Genesis, somewhere in Genesis 3 and 4, but when Adam and Eve have just sinned, they are hiding, God goes looking. There's a picture right there. They've committed sin, they're hiding, God's like, wow, I never, never knew you did that. <laughs> Look at him hiding behind the tree. <laughs> Surprise! I don't think so. I have way much more to say, but I've been speaking now for 35 minutes. Want me to go on? If we can capture this, guys, I'll tell you, it'll revolutionise the freedom, the grace, the love. Now please hear me, I'm not saying we abuse it. But at the end of the day, his love is so extravagant. No matter how far out you go, it's so extravagant. He'll come looking for you. He'll come looking. There's nothing that can separate us. It's not related. It's not about grace and works. It's about grace. Listen to what Charles Stanley has to say in his book, Eternal Security. I love this. Acting like God's child didn't get you in. Not acting like one won't get you tossed out. God's unconditional love is eternal. I'll put it this way. Paint another scenario to try and help us understand the enormity of this freedom is that when someone is accused of a crime and they're not found guilty but they're accused, they get what what the legal term I guess is, they get acquitted for the act that they've committed. But the reality is, and I don't know if you've been in this place yourself, that people really don't treat you the same. You may have been acquitted from something but people still probably have a little bit of suspicion Did he really do it? Did she really do it? There's a sense of distrust, maybe prejudice But as followers of Christ We're not only acquitted of our sinful nature and our iniquity But forgiven Isn't that cool? That in our humanist people Although someone is found not guilty and acquitted People actually can still look and wonder And somehow that trust is never the same. We just always, and I'm not saying all people, but, oh gee, don't, don't let your door unlock with this one around. But with God, not only are we acquitted, we're forgiven. The slate is clean. That's the freedom that He came to bring. Now I was just, I got this the other day and I've never seen this before, but Jesus was actually prepared to break intimacy with his Father for you and me. That you would experience freedom. Listen to these words. This is Mark 15, 34. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama Sabakathanai, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I'm not 100% know this is accurate, but I haven't found anywhere where Jesus Jesus called God Father. He called him Father. Now he's calling him God. There's something that was broken because he actually was about. He took our iniquity, our sin on himself, which broke the intimacy. He's going calling God God now. With every other time from from look when you see it, it's like Father, Father. Does that makes sense. He was prepared for his intimacy with his father to be broken for a time that you and I would experience this incredible freedom. To me, that is just phenomenal. And I guess you know you've got to capture the revelation of that, but if you just allow if you stew on that and think about what I've said, that he did nothing wrong. And yet he goes, I love these people so much that I'm actually prepared to die to myself and break probably one of the most important things to him which was intimacy with his father. Thank you, Lord. See, I I think by not walking in this freedom And saying, you know what? we say words like, no, no, you don't know my circumstance or you don't really know my situation or you don't know what I've been through. We're demeaning the cross. We're demeaning what he did. You're literally saying to him, you know what? You didn't overcome. It wasn't finished because my reality isn't quite what I think it should look like. But we are never, ever, ever To have a mindset that says because I don't feel it or because it's not my reality, it means this isn't true. This is the picture. This is the standard. And if he says it is finished, it is finished. Just because your reality doesn't look like it, you've got to petition for the reality that it would become your reality. And ask him to help you through it. Because I never want to diminish or dilute what he did. And this is where single-mindedness, this is where just consumed by Him, is the goal. I'm just going to give you the next two things, but I'm going to to leave it there. I think I've I've given you enough tonight to chew on, and maybe I'll, when I'm speaking again when I'm back, I'll I'll bring out the other two things. But the second thought is just by becoming a living testimony, is how you experience this freedom. You become a living testimony. It says that through the word of our testimony. And the third thing is by not loving your own life even when faced with death. See, freedom is actually the scariest thing in the Bible, I think. The level of freedom that he really wants to place you in and 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 give you and the responsibility that he wants to give you is incredibly scary. Why? Because it means you've got to let go of you. If you want to experience the freedom that the Bible talks about, you've got to let go of you. You've got to let go of control. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be the King of your life. He wants to be on that throne. He was created to be on your throne. And it's the only way it works to the fullness. And the reason why we struggle so much is because we want to be on the throne. But he says it's my place. And if you would submit to that, even to the point of death, you would see and experience a freedom that is incredibly phenomenal that would blow your socks off. I'm going to finish with this one scripture. It says in John 12:24, Truly, truly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit. Actually I'm just going to say this. You, you always know when someone says I'm wrapping up they've got another 10 minutes. Okay. Just close your eyes. I'm going, to, I'm going to listen, because just listen to these words and just allow them to permeate your mind, your heart. This is the good news, okay? You can trust God with your life. You can trust God with your life, every aspect of your life. So let go of the areas that aren't submitted to him and you will see incredible things unfold in your life. You can trust God with your life. You can trust him with your kids. You can trust him with your spouse. You can trust him with your health. You can trust him with your work. You can trust him with your finances you can trust him with your skills and abilities. You can trust him with your career. You can trust him with your life, with him, with your life in the palm of his hands. And Father, tonight I just thank you, Lord, that the freedom that you bought is so extravagant, Lord. Help us to discover through your spirit a greater revelation of that passage. It was for freedom that you came to set us free. And Lord, as we leave here tonight, I pray, God, that we would seek you, have a hunger for you, and ask of you, because you say those that ask and those that seek and those that are knocking on your door, they'll find and you say, ask The Father, how much more will the Father give those who hunger? Give us more than just bread and fish, prayers, Lord, and just responses to bread and fish. Give us a kingdom thought. Show us the freedom that you bought on the cross. That we may live lives worthy of the calling that's on each and every person. I pray you'd open the eyes of our hearts to receive and allow your truth to permeate us and like that vault that we would just walk in your light and your love. In Jesus' name.